Hey, hi, hello, <laughs> hello, howdy. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of QBT, a podcast where two queer babes talk about mental health, pop culture, and whatever the hell else we want. <gasps> oh. <laughs> this week, we are closing out our spiritual healing and mental health topic with our healing practitioner and good friend, Zach Insign. I am a licensed social worker and therapist working in Austin, Texas, Maddie Germs. And I'm Shawnee. Um, a former New York City-based psychologist turned media entertainment badass based in Portland, Oregon, not for that much longer. And this week, I want to know, where is Nelly Furtado? Like, where is she at? Did she release music any recently? That wasn't a sentence. I, it was not, but um, I know what you meant. If somebody knows where Nelly Furtado is, please let us know. We're concerned. And we might be promiscuous girls, but we... <laughs> Also, our therapist. <laughs> but we're not your therapist. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> um, Shawnee, look, today I got my um fidget cube in the mail. So, um, oh. So that I can, um, I'm going to try and buy pins, but I don't, but do you take your pins apart? No. That's but nice. But I chew, I chew on them. I will chew on them too. Or I'll chew on the part that like is keeping it together. And then yeah. once it's, and then I'll just spend any time I'm sitting in front of this computer taking it apart. So I bought myself a $7 oh. fidget cube that, um, I actually had at my internship, this, uh, therapist, um, she had them for her patients with ADHD or autism. And I was like, do you mind if I have this? And she was like, okay. Okay. Um, but I <laughs> fell in love with it. These things are so fucking cool. I'm going to not play with it while we're talking because it makes clicky noises. But, oh, um, I think that's the whole point of it. Play with it. I know. I think there's a couple areas that I might be able to play with. Anyway, um, how was I... your week? <laughs> <laughs> um, my week's been good. I... Got to see, this is our sub slut. I saw Spider-Man yesterday, a new Spider-Man movie. And I think I've said it on this podcast before, but like I am a Marvel girl. I love Marvel movies. I like used to read comic books a lot as a kid. And Spider-Man is my shit. Like I will fight somebody over Spider-Man. It's like that. That's good. Yeah. He's I, a family um, to me. I made my father take me to the premiere of the first one, the mm, one where they mm-hmm. cut the Twin Towers out of it, the, the Tobey Maguire one. Um, oh, did they do that? Yeah. That On the poster, don't you remember this? On the posters, it um, had him hanging in a hammock between the two towers. Oh my God. But then September 11th happened, and then so they had to like re-edit PR and cut that scene out wow, of the movie. Wow, I did not know that. I was today years old. Anyway, uh, I like that Spider-Man. I haven't seen any of... I have seen, like, about seven minutes of this, like, baby Tom Holland. But um, Andrew Garfield ones, I think I've put them on and Mm, have mm -hmm. not finished any of them. Um, But the trailer for this one, I will watch it. I don't know if it's during this, you know... Phase four, phase five, whatever phase Marvel is in. 
Or oh, you I was were not going about, in that direction ta- at all. Mm-hmm. I was talking about o- Omicron. <laughs> I was talking about like Oh, Omarion? You're not going to go see it with Omarion out? I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to see it with Omarion. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't invite me, first of all. but um, And I didn't want to pay like $24,000 for a ticket. But all of that yeah. being said, I saw the trailer and I texted my brother, who is also a big Marvel person. And I was like, I'm genuinely interested in seeing this. I'm excited to see Doc Ock come back. I'm excited to see... Toby Maguire come back. Um, you don't know that Toby Maguire comes back. I do know. Th- are we gonna pre- are we gonna have a no no spoiler at all based only on like the three? It's- yeah, because you know what, I respect Spider Man enough to not give y'all no spoilers. So just okay, know it was a great you- movie and you should go see it. Then what are we gonna talk about for ten minutes? So uh, <laughs> talk about talk about your movie theater experience. Yeah, talk, tell me about the movie. Tell me right. what you like. No, about. no, it was. I mean, it was it was good. It's one of those things where they had to cover a lot of ground, like a lot, yeah. um, and stuff a lot into um into like just a, a what I think is a normal length movie. Actually, that movie was two hours and forty minutes long. It was almost three hours, but it didn't sure. feel like it was like three hours. Like the pacing was pretty quick, so like things were happening, and like you were on board for it. And yes, like all the surprise stuff, all the like reliving the nostalgia of like middle school and like Spider Man, Tobey Maguire, and then Andrew Garfield is there just doing Andrew Garfield stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie Fox is in it. He's really funny. Um, okay. I wasn't expecting as much like comedy from him as I was getting, but I was like, he's like full on just doing stand up right now, like in this movie, and that's I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay. Um, the premise of it is pretty good. Um, I was a little like not on board with it during the trailers because I was just like, really, like you're gonna the multiverse thing starts because Spider Man like doesn't want people to know that he's Spider-Man. That seems like a flimsy plot to lean on. But right. it's actually like a lot more than that. And they actually dig into a lot of stuff around like, when are you helping people to help people? And when are you helping people to help yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, and to make yourself feel better. Um, but at the end of the day, he's never solving the main crime, which is like the killing of Uncle Ben. No Spider-Man has solved that crime. Well, here's the thing. In this this version of Spider-Man, the Tom Holland version, uh-huh. Uncle Ben is like been dead. Like it like, had nothing oh. to do with, had nothing to do ben, with ben him. Ben, been dead. <laughs> um, Marissa Tomei is in there being Marissa Tomei. Oh, yeah. As okay. Aunt May. Um, it's good. Like, I don't know. Like, at, the acting was great. William Defoe came back as like Green Goblin. I was like, y'all really got every single person from those Aww. old movies to come back and like make this thing happen the way it did. And I think that the way it ends... I don't know. I honestly, I'm like, I'm interested in where they go because okay. the way it ended, I was like, I mean, they could literally, that could just be it for Tom Holland. Like he could be done. Like yeah. with the way that this ended, he could also pick it back up. They also mentioned, Jamie Foxx said like, there's three of y'all, but like no one's black. There's not yeah. a black Spider-Man. I yeah. think there's a black Spider-Man somewhere. And I was like, okay, so we're going to cue this up. Thank you. Like, Miles I mean, Morales. I want to see Miles Morales. Yeah, yeah. I want to see that. Um, so. I'd love to see a live action version of that. I... <sighs> I don't know what it is about Tom Holland that makes my like skin crawl. But I think like, the exact opposite. I really Yeah, I'm like into him. <laughs> I don't under, I truly don't understand that. Like it does not make any sense to me. I don't and him and Zendaya as a couple 
It doesn't make any sense it at doesn't all. Make any sense. It does. He has like a negative lip ratio. Like, <laughs> like what is happening? Speaking of lip ratios, the other week I was talking to you. Remember, you know Chris, Chris and Michelle. I was talking to them, and I Michelle. forgot how we talked about this, but like. He said something like, why does his face look like that? And I was like, it's because white people don't have lips. And yeah. Chris was literally like, oh my God. That's what right. it is. I was he like, He looks yeah. like a little lizard. Like He does. He does look a little lizard. And his body was like, jacked. Like the I first, know, the first know, five minutes of the movie, he was like shirtless. And I was like, excuse me, Tom Holland. Yeah. I mean, I know that this person is supposed to be a sex symbol i just don't buy it um did your theater blow up uh i saw several videos on twitter obviously not like explaining okay. i was like, like no but I'm like here. <laughs> people like running and screaming and cheering and like oh enjoying yeah themselves oh that was happening. okay okay i'm glad and do you enjoy that um when it's at the right time and i feel it but everybody else does it i'm okay with it if you're like i've I've heard like applause during applause applause during like a film or like right after a film that I was like I don't know why y'all are clapping that was just a movie like there was okay. nothing special about yeah. that movie okay. this deserved an applause at the end because again they covered a lot of ground and they did it I dare say like they executed it like almost seem I think they did it seamlessly like I okay. couldn't really there were no like plot holes that I was like that don't make no sense I was like this all makes sense it adds up um what didn't add up is the second post-credit scene which second was, yeah they're making y'all stay for there were seconds oh yeah no they gave us one after that the, is like, honestly one of the most annoying things about i i am starting to find <laughs> it annoying now that i have to say to the very very end because they always yeah. give you one after the stylized credits that are just like look yeah. at this and then you have to wait for the like boring credits to roll through before they give you the other one i like it when movies used to play credits at the beginning Oh my god, they did. Back when like films were racist. I yeah. they still are. Oh okay. Yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm thinking of I like have, Gone I with the a, Wind. Yeah, I have an inkling for the golden age of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> like Middle America has a thing for the golden age of America. Anyways, um the second post credit scene was essentially a Doctor Strange 2 trailer, but it was uh. like it was like they weren't done with it. Like they were just like, we got to put something here. So they just took oh, a no. bunch of random scenes and tossed them like at us. And I'm more confused because I'm like, why is Rachel McAdams here? Like, I know why she's here, but like, why is she hmm. here? And what's going on here? And how's this tying in with Disney Plus? Because like, there's some of that going on in here. It was just, it was a bit confusing and they should have just like left it out. But I kind of am excited about that. I liked the first Doctor Strange. Oh, did I tell you that I saw the Shang-Chi you did not tell me. What'd you think about it? I liked it. I thought that was... I love those that are like the Avengers. Mm-hmm. No one gives a shit about them. Who cares? I've never heard of them before. Here's magic. I like magic. Magic, I don't like, yeah. I don't like superpowers. I'm Oh, I'm then you'll love it. this new Spider-Man. I like magic. Yeah. And because, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little, my brother texted me and he was like, I really liked it. I think you might enjoy it, but also I don't think it's for you. And I was like, I agree. Cause I was thinking about it's getting, um, uh, I was thinking boys, about honestly. getting a, a ticket or trying to see it this weekend or this week or something. And then I saw a video on Twitter of someone who was like, this is one of the most brilliant scenes I've ever seen. And it was like, the scene where the three of them are talking and explaining the adventures and then they all jump over the cliff together and then it like starts and something's cheering. And I was like, that is not 
that's good. Not it. That was <laughs> like, not. It wasn't good. Um, but also, I can understand people. I'm not saying people don't get to be excited about it or enjoy it or anything. Yeah. I'm just saying that for me, I'm not rushing to see it. Whenever it, like Shang Chi, I loved being on my couch on a Sunday afternoon and enjoying the shit out of that movie. Yeah. I had a wonderful time. I think that I will enjoy No Way Home uh, when it kind of comes around to that point. But yeah, and um, I mean, there's are, a lot of fan service. It's a lot of fan service. So, like, if you weren't, if you literally have not seen every single Spider-Man movie, yeah, you're not going to get half the references. Also, I will say this: Andrew Garfield leaned in hard on like being—I don't even know what to call it. I guess he's being a little emo in the film, but mm-hmm. like, and like beating himself up, beating himself up a little. And then Toby Maguire, Toby Maguire's there, like, no man, like you're great, like tell you you're great. And then Andrew's like, I am great, and I'm just like. <laughs> Y'all are fun. Like, this is funny. Like, okay. I would watch all three of y'all in a movie that isn't Spider-Man because y'all okay. actually have really good chemistry together. And who would have thought that, like, the three Spider-Men actually kind uh-huh. of are, could be, like, friends for real. I would, too. I also, did you watch Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix? Have we talked about this? It's oh, the, the movie, movie about- with Andrew Garfield. No, I yes. Um, I'm not a big musical person. It's about the guy who made Rent. Um. Andrew Garfield is amazing in it. Like, very... He's a very talented actor. He's a very talented actor. Um, speaking and of talented... queer, actor, I think. Oh, yeah, he's like... So, he, like he's something. He's something some kind of bi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very what, some he's very, like, you know, 2021, like, we all fuck everyone. I don't think he's, like, you know, like, full linguistic. But, right. Um, talented actors, Christina Ricci and... Uh, oh... Allie, pop back in and tell me who it is. Juliette Lewis. Juliette Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Not to be yeah. confused with <laughs> Julia Louis Julie Dreyfus. Julia Louis Dreyfus. Dreyfus. Yeah. Dreyfus. 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 Um, but anyway, Yellow Jackets. I have you seen it? I have not. Um, okay. I I know about it. I know the premise. I know like it's like what is it? Uh, Lord of the Flies. But then they sort go of, back yeah, and yeah. then they're like older. I get it. I don't. I read Lord of the Flies, so I feel like. I know how this works. Okay. Well, I eat that shit up. I think uh, the way that maybe I look at any sort of period drama where people have fake accents and I'm like hard pass. I will never watch that thumbs down. I get how you're viewing this. Whereas like, I'm like a plane crash where people are facing their trauma and dealing with what it means to be human on this world. Once all the distractions are gone, they don't know who they are and they have to like talk about it and piss in buckets and shit. Let me watch it. Um, But uh yeah i if you let's go to the work let's talk to zach i'm excited <laughs> we don't have to talk about it i was saying i liked it okay and i like seeing christina ritchie on my tv maddie just poodle hair maddie just couldn't have me talk about only spider-man for hours because i could do it i could do it i'm not gonna do that to y'all the listeners we're gonna take a break and then do the work be right back And welcome back. We are so excited to be joined by our friend, massage therapist, past life regression hypnotist and artist, Zach Inson. Hi. It's Hi. So, so wonderful to see you. It's good to see you all too. I don't know. This is like, I don't know. I haven't seen you in so long. It's been forever. I, was, I think over the summer. Yeah. Oh, it was like the last day Maddie was here, I think. Yeah, the um, pride party. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. I was 
so zonked that day. I had like had like a week of see you laters and lots of alcohol. And then I was like, I really want to go to this pride thing because it's like there wasn't a pride last year. I want to check this out. I want to see my friends. And I just had sunglasses and <laughs> my brain was working, but my mouth wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't like say anything. It was like really embarrassing for me. I'm so sorry. I think and, a lot <laughs> of us were in the same space. It was it was also a lot to have not done anything for so long and then had so many people and like yeah, kind of getting yeah. back into the group of things. So yes. Yeah. Weird awkwardness. Also, I feel like every pride, my brain and mouth just isn't wor- well, <laughs> my brain isn't working. <laughs> My mouth is doing just fine over here. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Are you um? Are you staying warm in the Portland rain sleets? I'm not. No, I'm I'm a Miami boy. So uh, even though I've been here like five years, it's it's a pain in my ass. Like getting out of bed is the worst. And I start the day uh, with at least three pairs of pants on and like three shirts. <laughs> and by like three, I can take one of the layers off, which is great. But it's very hard for me <laughs> to be honest. That- that's a lot of laundry. Yeah. Yes. That is so much. Laundry. So much. <laughs> My family also plays me for like really enjoying warm everything. I will sleep with like a heater next to my bed, wear yeah. socks, and like a hat. And they're just like, really? <laughs> they don't I'm understand. Like, yeah. I'm cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, um, let's get started in the way that we always get started with everyone and then we can kind of like move into um expanding on our topic of spiritual healing and mental health but zach what identities do you hold that shape how you come into this world um i think the most important to me is my queer identity um and i think because i had to fight for it it wasn't something that came easy i you know went to catholic school from the time i was four to 18 and um, I was bullied and called slurs before I even knew who I was and uh, I used to go home and cry every day and be like I don't want to be gay god please and and now it's the complete opposite you know growing up in Florida also I didn't have a queer community like it was limited to who I was sleeping with (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh, since moving here I found that and it's been a really big part of my life that you know especially with what I do for work um, my art, my massage practice. Um, so it shapes everything that I do. Community, a queer community is really important for me. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, I consider myself kind of intergalactic. I don't know. I, I guess a term that's been thrown out there is starseed. Like I, I feel like um, my soul, I guess you could say in a way, kind of has originated from somewhere not here. And, and the beginning half of my life, I always felt intensely strong that I was in the wrong place, that not was not supposed to be here. And, you know, I, I would do whatever I could to disassociate. Like, even at like four, I would take a little hand mirror and I would hold it up to the ceiling. And then I would just look in the reflection and run through the house because it would make me feel like I was somewhere else. Wow. But because of that, as I got older, I I realized, no, I'm supposed to be here. I am here and I have to find my purpose uh, and figure it out. You're not going anywhere else. So um, even though I do feel like originally this place was very foreign to me, it's also in a way helped me find myself. Um, Mm. So, yeah. Wow. Alien, queer alien is my identity. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that before. Intergalactic or, did you say starseed? Yeah, starseed. Starseed. I've never heard that. I I 
you know, I have problem like diving too much into like new age kind of toxic positivity circles. And I, I know that term has been thrown around there, but um, it is something I associate with. So. I'm sure a lot of other people do as well. You know, like I, yeah. I'm happy that you said that because I have not heard of it, but I'm sure there are a ton of people and listeners out there who identify with that 100%. Yeah. You're also a Libra. I am. <laughs> you, you were one of the first Libra, like I'm a Libra as well as you all know. I think that honestly, Zach, you were one of the first Libras that like I met. And like since then I've met other Libras and I'm like, oh, is this what we're all like? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely similarities. For sure. Um, you kind of offered us a little bit of an in with this, but talk to us about your work and your practice. I I had no idea what I wanted to do for the longest time. I always felt really behind everybody and super lost. Um, and like seven, eight years ago in Miami, I made an alien painting and someone saw the hashtag and... Um, they liked it and commented on it and they ended up being a past life regression hypnotist. And I was like, Ooh, so, and their name is Marlo. And I, I uh, went to go see them and it completely pivoted the direction of my life. Um, it's where I came to really understand and first hear of the term star seed and term star seed. And I was like, Ooh, uh, really associated with it. And it's what led me to move here like a year, I think a year and a half after that session, I ended up moving over here leaving everything behind and deciding I was to become a massage therapist. Um, so that's what I do here. I do massage. Um, and just a year and a half ago in the midst of the pandemic, I decided to go to school for past life regression hypnosis. So I've been, I never thought I would do it. It was just something that really inspired me. And if you're my friend, I've probably talked to you about it. <laughs> um, so it was really a cool surprise to I woke up literally one day and was just like, oh my God, I can do this. And so I started doing mm. it and it's been really fun and exciting. Um, and I also try to implement art as much as I can into my practice. Um, uh, the space I own, Indigo House, uh, was set up as like a queer collective for other therapists and queer people to find community through healing. And um, I have an art gallery set up in there where I try to rotate a queer artist every three to six months to showcase and I also want to start hosting art classes there. So um, trying to find a way to merge all of those things into like cute, queer ball of fun. I just, I, I think um, you're offering this with such a calm and I just want to offer a celebration. Like you fought for that space and you fought for like the work that you are doing in this moment too. And the fact that you in the middle of a pandemic were like, we need something and i want it to look like something that we can all create together i talked to you a little bit shortly after you opened it and just like the visions that you had for it and i just i um i don't know i'm so proud of you it's Thank such you. a cool project and it's such a beautiful space and um i don't know i i just i want to like t take a moment of celebration for that and i'm sure that you celebrated yourself but i also know you hate this <laughs> i i hate it i'm so if anyone's seeing this later they'll see the gross faces i just made but thank you so much um i don't really plan things far ahead it was literally like a moment of inspiration and then the space was kind of gifted to me um you know, like this opportunity came about and I had to do something with it, even though we're in the middle of this crazy time. And uh, 
I'm not going to lie. Most days I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm still doing it. And um, I know a lot of us feel that way about a lot of what we do. And uh, thanks. It feels nice to hear that. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, you're right. Most of us don't know what we're doing. I was just saying earlier to, to Yasmin, our friend, um, that we're all just making this up as we go. So like, it is what it is. Um, and also this is, I mean, you opening that space, it just sort of, I'm not gonna say it just happened because there was work that went into it, but like, it probably didn't feel like work work. All of that is to say you were probably aligned with your purpose. Like you're, you're, you're in your purpose right now. Thank you. Um, and a lot of people don't find that. And I feel like, you know, you're in your purpose because you're doing something that is fulfilling you and fulfilling the community and fulfilling. I mean, we literally just talked about this with Gary on the last episode and I sort of feel like when we talk about spirituality, we keep coming back to this idea of things working in alignment and in sync. Um, talk to us a little bit about past life regression hypnotism. Like what, what is it? Um, and then how do you go about doing it? Okay. So I mentioned before that I, a big trepidation I have with presenting this work, I'm just starting to put it out there that I'm offering it. Um, I know there's a lot of preconceived notions and stigma around, you know, a lot of new age practices. But this is something I really believe in, and it's really changed my life, and I've seen it help other people. When we go through trauma of any sort, it gets stored in the body, and that's something that's like known now, you know. Um, and that I deal with that in my work as a massage therapist all the time. Like I, I've seen emotional releases after working on certain areas of the body. Like I, I have an understanding of that, and it's it's a similar thing. This work posits that we've had past or parallel, I like to call it lives, you know, there's no really linear time, I don't think. And that um, we have experiences in these lives that that leave deep imprints on us, you know, like trauma does. And so uh, we get you into a hypnotic state, and we have you relive certain lives that come up. And we work on releasing the traumas that are stored from those experiences. I know a lot of people can be skeptical about the work. So what I tell them is, you know, the human mind is a really crazy thing. I don't know if you've heard of the Wim Hof method or, uh, you know, he he can control and regulate his body temperature if he's in freezing areas. Like there's crazy things you can do to hack your body uh, with your mind. So either A, you know, we really are accessing these past lives and releasing trauma due to them, or B, your mind is so fantastic and wonderful that it creates these stories and archetypes and symbols and images while they're in the session and we release trauma through those. Either way, and you know, you can look at it any way you want, but either way, there's healing being done. And um, another metaphor I use is love. People say it's this magical, beautiful spiritual connection between two people, and then other people are like, it's dopamine and serotonin and these neurotransmitters being popped around. It's a little bit of both, you know? Um, so I don't really hold myself too much to what is real and what is not. I just try to be present with the experience because it always takes me somewhere really unexpected and uh, awesome. So. Hmm. I love that so much. And I, I want to also name that I really appreciate the vulnerability of kind of coming. I was going to say coming out, but that's not what I mean. But like coming onto the podcast and sort of just naming like, this is what I'm doing. And it feels very personal to me and it's work that I'm engaging in and I've seen it create beautiful things but i also recognize that i'm i'm learning with this and i'm experiencing this but i think that that's really helpful for those of us 
that have very little experience with it or to someone who's listening has never heard of this, right? So like, I think that that's actually a really helpful space um, for us. Um, And I also too really appreciate what you're offering, which is something that I sort of really feel, which is that like, we can put names to a lot of things (laughs) and they, those naming or that naming can be really powerful because it allows us to sit in something. It allows us to like, it allows the brain something to like play with and, and kind of begin to unlock some of the stuff that does not feel unlockable. Um, And I don't, know if it really matters sometimes what we name those things what matters is the process that we go through and the allowing ourselves to go through the process which is i think at least for my understanding like part of the key part of that which is this hypnosis part which really is like this allowing of the mind and body to like slow the fuck down which is so antithetical to the way that we think it's getting us into a listening of the body and allowing the brain to like fire in a different way than in this sort of more conscious way and i just like i I don't know does that feel in alignment with anything you hold yeah i mean as a body worker uh you know, the goal is to get the body into a rest and digest state, you know, to, to, so that it can, we're like X-Men. It's just on a really like slow level. Um, it's kind of like, have you seen a nature documentaries where they speed up like a plant growing and it's actually going really fast and like moving towards the light and stuff, Mm -hmm. but we're perceiving it to be like this really slow thing. Hmm. It's the same with the body. It's really amazing and can really repair and heal itself, but it has to get into a really relaxed you know, calm state first. And this work Mm -hmm. is very similar. I also work at a flotation therapy center. um, And in the float center, when you're in a float tank, the mind state you go into is called the somnambulistic state or the theta wave state. And that's where all the, uh, that's the space you're in right before you wake up and right before you fall asleep. So we all enter that every day and that's where deep healing occurs. And that's why the Mm -hmm. float tanks are so beneficial, not just physically, but mentally. And in hypnosis, we put you in the somnambulistic state. So uh, it's a really magical place to be in all the work that I do. It's all kind of tied together. Why the body for you? I'll ask this differently. So like, <laughs> like, because Megan Shani- the Stallion, duh. <laughs> because you heard Megan the Stallion. But like, <laughs> um, I know that there was this Instagram connection, but like, you are a very generous soul. And um, I, I think I'm curious as to how the connection or the gravitation towards body work as your expression of like what you have to offer i'm just i'm I'm curious about like why the body methods attracted you um like i said i had no idea i mean we're all faking it till we make it to some extent and now i do have a purpose that i never had before like this work i like shawnee said like i feel like i know what i should be doing but i didn't before and um it really depressed me you know you see everyone else even though it, maybe it's just an image they're projecting, everyone seems to know what they're doing. And I literally couldn't even give you a rough idea um, before. I just knew I wanted to help people because, and it sounds cliche and stupid, but I truly was just like, I'm not going to feel fulfilled unless I'm helping someone else. And I wanted to be a nurse for the longest time. Um, and I'm, to be honest, glad I didn't do that, especially with everything now. Um, I don't think I would have mentally been able to handle it. 
my mom's a nurse in the COVID unit actually. And I, uh, I hear from her all the time about stuff. And mm, yeah. so I was just like, how else can I help people without doing that? Like, what are my strengths? And I found that with body work, um, it was quiet. When I got my first massage, I was like, wow, it's dark and it's quiet. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't feel, I feel safe. Um, and uh, so that was very important for me. And, and also as an artist, I feel like my approach to body work has kind of like a painterly feel. It almost feels mm -hmm. like I'm painting, like I, my flow. So it just seemed, I don't know, I'm, I've always been using my hands uh, to express and create myself. And this just feels like an extension of that. Hmm. Um, would you like me to ask you an enlightened question or a ratchet question? Ratchet question. Okay. Um, what is the wildest? <laughs> like, okay. Oh Should I have chosen? <laughs> no. Yeah. No, this is, this is going to be fine. <laughs> What's like the, without, you know, obviously divulging anything that you don't feel comfortable with and obviously confidentiality is a thing, but like, what's the wildest past life, whether it's story, trauma, experience that you've heard that like, in from your like point of view, that made you go like, whoa. <laughs> well, just because I, do you mind if I tell you my own? Oh, of course not. If that it. feels like your wildest, do yeah. It. Okay, so I mean, trigger warning for everybody. Um, mentions of we love those. mentions of suicide. Um, okay. So, and this is a bit vulnerable and personal for me, but uh, my my partner Chaz uh, also went to school when he saw me doing the hypnosis work because he was really fascinated with it, and so we were training together, and he decided to hypnotize me last year. And um, I've suffered from an undiagnosed eating disorder for a lot of my adult life, you know, yo-yoed back and forth between weight, um, which is just the outside symptom of it. But I just w was withholding a lot of food and care for myself for a long time to the point where um, I developed stomach ulcers. I was vomiting blood in the morning um, every day uh, for like two years. And then um, a lot of bad stuff. So I, I was able to rectify some of that with medication, but I still couldn't eat. It was, and it wasn't because I didn't like my body or anything attached to my image. It was just something that was very hard for me to do to take care of myself in that way. And so I decided to do a hypnosis session. And while we were in the session, um, I had a past life where I was like a colonizer, it was white, um, young man, I guess. And we were on a ship to some place, I guess, to like get resources or something. And um, when we got there, it, had, it was a village of natives basically. And um, they murdered and uh, basically decimated the village, all the women and children, and then they took the men on the ships back with them as slaves. And I was young and I guess had not expected that and did not want that. And I ended up for whatever reason staying behind through my guilt uh, and not leaving the village. Um, 
And a couple of weeks, I guess, had gone by or indeterminate amount of time. And I wasn't equipped to take care of myself. Um, I ended up starving slowly to death. And I couldn't take the pain of what had happened or the pain of surviving in the elements. And I killed myself. Um, and they said that, I say they because in hypnosis, um, you're kind of speaking to your higher self. And uh, I, 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 refer, I refer to that voice as they. And they told me that um, the trauma of that experience had carried over into this life. And um, when I was 21, my appendix ruptured and I was in the hospital for about a month and I almost died. I went down to like 118 pounds um, or no, sorry, 108 pounds. And I never fully recovered. My stomach never did. My eating habits never did. And they said that that trauma came out uh, for me personally around that time. And it's something I've been struggling with that I've been punishing myself with that uh, I was sitting with this guilt of what had happened and I didn't need to. And so we released it. Um, and I was 100 and like uh, 20 pounds around that time. And right now I'm 150, um, which is my normal weight. I started eating again within a couple of weeks and I saw my body slowly repair itself. Uh, I don't have stomach ulcers anymore. And I know that sounds crazy. I'm not purporting that like that was the only thing that helped me, but it was a huge block that was removed from me. Um, and that's an extreme circumstance. Most people have what they call digging potatoes lives where, you know, you see them like going to a wedding or like literally digging potatoes or like <laughs> sitting by a fireplace, you know, really basic things. Not everything is it. Not every hypnosis session is like this wild, crazy story because yeah. not all of our lives are always wild and crazy like that. But, um... but it also sounds like not only was there some sort of reckoning of... Um, sorry I know that was a lot it was just honest so I appreciate it being honest and it's okay that it's a lot we don't apologize for honesty around here yeah that's what you (laughs) offered and I just was breathing it in but um I think it's interesting to me and I don't know if this is a real connection or not but it's interesting to me that there's not only this reckoning kind of of like your own body and how it's been treated and how you're treating it but then also this sort of historical narrative of like whiteness within your life and how that has come to play and how that is playing out especially during a time of racial sort of reckoning awakening i don't know i mean it was a there was something happening in 2020 you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> we don't have good words for it now especially because in the present we're recognizing that like the conversation moved but policies didn't and so what is the impact of that and that is hard to hold but i am just naming that like it sounds like you're you were processing a lot that this moment allowed you to kind of like slow down and start working yeah and i was able to forgive myself for not just whatever those unearthed memories were but like things in my waking life that I may have done or felt, you know, and move forward and, and work through them. That was like, it was a gift like that. It was a very intense session for me, but um, it was mm-hmm. nothing but a gift. So, mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I, I'm really, um, that's a really vulnerable thing to say because mm-hmm. I think the guilt of whiteness is really, 
I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to talk about because like what function does it serve always, especially talking about it in these spaces and when there's like the harm is way more important. But it, yeah. to disregard the ways in which that shit impacts us, it, it's fucked up. Like it's fucked up. And there's like, ha- there has to be some releasing, not just for our own healing, but it literally doesn't help us help like, or contribute uh-uh. to the world. It doesn't help anything. It just serves as a sort of like self-sacrificial thing that keeps us stuck and keeps us from making better choices, keeps us from engaging in community in these better ways. Yeah, that version of me needed to forgive themselves. And, you know, there's some aspects of me that need to forgive myself for similar things too. And so it kind of just like, there's an intersection there, you know? Mm-hmm. That was, again, thank you for that vulnerability and that honesty. <laughs> I was not expecting it to go that way. I know, but that I'm wasn't happy really a ratchet answer, did. sorry. No, it was not, but it's fine. Cause <laughs> sometimes we don't need ratchet answers around here, no matter how hard I try. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm actually happy that you brought that up because the non-ratchet question was going to be, um, you know, how this practice, you know, whether it's hip, uh, hypnotism, whether it's massage therapy, you know, what are sort of the explicit impacts that it has on your mental health? But I mean, you just named it right there, like with that story, like that was something that that has helped you and that is that is assisting and supporting your well-being. Um but what I, I guess what we can explore is like, what are some other areas and realms that you've seen what you do as a healer also um, helping you heal like as your own person? Well, it's funny because in like the work that we do, there's an archetype called the wounded healer. Um, and basically going through massage school, it was just a bunch of us wounded healers like bumping around into each other. And, and it's a real thing. I, I think a lot of people that do this work have a deep desire to know themselves more and to to really help themselves. And I don't think that's selfish. I think it's necessary. I've learned how to take care of myself because of this career, whereas it's easy to neglect yourself in your 20s, you know, like you don't really feel the ramifications, but um as I enter my mid-30s, this is really important work and it's really shaped how I honor my body. Um, and I just, I really enjoy offering just a moment for people to breathe. And I really noticed this into the pandemic. Uh, I had only been a massage therapist for a year when everything went down. And you would not, you would think that that career would be over because who's going to get a freaking massage you know, during a global pandemic. Yeah. But bookings were crazy busy. Um, and I noticed that people didn't just want their like trapezius worked out or their lower back fixed. Mm-hmm. They needed to be touched and they needed to be held and they needed to breathe. And sometimes it was very palpable. Projection aside, I really had the sense that many of these people, this was the only touch that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It, I don't know. It was very important for me to, to, to provide that. Yeah. And I mean, you're so good at it. I've had massages from Zach before. You're very good at what you do. And um, I was thankfully through Oregon Health Plan, shout out the best insurance I've ever had. <laughs> like, um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I got a back injury, uh, and so that's why I started during the pandemic to be able to go see 
it took a little bit of finagling, but I was able to get massages like every other week for about seven months, eight months or something like that. And it was really helpful specifically because of the injury that I had. And that hour space to sit and I was also in grad school. So I felt like it was really like releasing the shit that I was taking. It was my first time being a therapist and sitting in the room with people and hearing, I was dealing with folks that had a lot of high suicidality. And so there was part of the massage work that I was getting that was about my lower back, but wasn't. And yeah. I, um, and it wasn't just in the way of like, oh, this stress is like, I'm, I'm not like, I can relax a little bit. Like that was a part of it, but like, it really was, it felt more emotional than that. And it felt more, it felt like my body was getting processed and I didn't have to do the thinky work to process it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, I, I do a lot of energy work with my massage. Like that's, that's, I think my strong suit. Um, and especially the work you're doing that you do it, you're taking on so much, you need to have an avenue to release it. And also as humans, you know, you were said you're going to grad school and you're doing all these things and you're moving and you're trying to survive. Like, we close off for survival we ignore pains and we ignore issues with our body and we don't even know they're there until you're laying on a table and someone touches you and then you're like oh so it's also a time for you to really check in with yourself like it's a, such a personal thing even though massage is collaborative mm -hmm. like it, it it's a way for you to truly be in tune with your body and not be blocking out stuff in the name of like go 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 hustle survival you know you know, and that manifests itself. And I don't. I will say that I don't get massages often, but when I get them, it is it's very healing. And the question that, without doubt, I'm always like, I don't know because I haven't checked in with my body. I have no idea. Is like, what area do you want to work on? And I'm just like, mm. the whole thing. But like, I don't know. It takes somebody actually touching me, feeling that, and saying like, oh actually it's my like the middle of my back like it's been that this whole time i just i can't identify that because nobody's asking me that every single day and i'm not asking myself that every single day yeah yeah a lot of us don't tune in like that every day it's hard to and it's a really important thing to do so do you have any suggestions that you offer people or a practice that you have yourself to do some of that checking in yeah i do um I learned this in my hypnosis practice, you know, I do kind of like a body scan. I, I visualize light coming from the source, you know, it could be hands for some people, it could be the sky, like anything. And I picture that light going through the top of my head and kind of creating like a three dimensional pyramid around me where it's enclosed the entire part of my body from my head underneath to my feet. Um, and I picture that light entering every part of my body through every cell, just slowly scanning. It helps me check in to see like where I'm holding tension, like in certain areas. And also I have severe social anxiety. So if I'm walking on the street and I feel really uncomfortable with a situation, I'd be like, yo, just put up the pyramid. And I literally like, Zhoo. and I know it sounds weird, but it, <laughs> it helps, it doesn't. Me, it helps doesn't. me get through the day sometimes. So. That's a great example of the ways in which I think that like these modern 
sort of mental health best practices are sort of catching up to spiritual work or the spiritual work is responding to sort of like the culture of mental health, whatever. Um, but, oh, wait, my brain did the thing of jumping to the third <laughs> thought and I need to come back to the thing that I was connecting with you on, which was body scans. I've been using those in sessions sometimes with folks and like um, it is... And I, and with myself, I, and I appreciate that offering because like, not only are we getting, you know, this reminder to really kind of move through our body, we're also welcoming in something or we're envisioning intention of protection. And then we're also like using aspects of our imagination that are, that we're told over and over and over again as we get older to ditch, you know, that, that like our imaginative part, our playful part, our kid-like part, our honestly like very um, natural part of our, our brain and our body, which is to like make stuff up and make meaning and like all these things, like that part is not utilized. And, and I love that there's like this kind of triple thing happening, which is like brain, body, spirit in those moments that uh, are, they take time and it takes practice and sometimes it can be like really distracting and you're like, oh, I'm not doing it right. But especially that's, that's what an anxious person like me is like, I'm not doing it right. I'm not doing it correct. Yeah. And like learning that, like, it's not about correction. It's about the doing. I just, I, I also think that's why we wanted to have you and Gary and just this conversation this month, because I think that mental health world and spiritual world supposedly have lived at odds with one another. And I think that we are learning more and more and more because of the ways the two communities are learning. You're saying I've watched people process emotional trauma and are better. And then like the uh, mental health talk therapy community is like, we might want to be touching people because sometimes it helps, <laughs> you know, and it's like this sort of blending of these two things that I just think is, um, it's hard to have these conversations because of the ways there's stigma on either end, but yeah. I'm a, you're saying this sounds stupid or this sounds silly or whatever. And I'm like, I'm like, no, it makes sense. It's it such makes a bad, sense to me. it's such a bad habit. I spent so much of my early life being told, you know, to drown out like those childlike creative, you know, I've always talked to ghosts. I've seen things like I've been a weirdo. And so having to spend like the first 25 of your years of your life defending that and then stepping into it and the, the next 10 is like, it's still a practice for me. So by default, I'll say something and I'll be like, I know that's, you know, silly or, but thank you for calling me out on that. <laughs> it doesn't have to make sense to everyone is the other thing. I think that so many folks who maybe hold some of these things or hold personal practices don't share because of the way people might shut it down. And at the same time though, I think that there's always going to be people who pick it up. And everything doesn't have to everything be for, aimed for everybody because I, yes. And I think that trying to explain the world is always going to be a fruitless mm -hmm. effort to someone because that's not how they experience the world. And like maybe a certain type, a type of person is not the type of person that is going to experience the same type of healing that is to someone who is more open to being touched who's welcoming touch and who is welcome to the idea that energy can move through you and through another person. But you set up that perfect trifecta magic happens, baby. Like it's, it, it just doesn't, it, while I think obviously I'm not saying that people, um, not all people can benefit from this type of work. I'm just saying it sometimes takes a certain type of person to step into belief, which I think is what Gary was talking about a little bit last week, yeah. which is just like, 
it, that's the intention of it. It's it's like the stepping into it to kind of meet it halfway that I think is helpful. There has to be an openness and acceptance of the thing, right? Like not like me and yellow jackets. Like I'm not open to that. But <laughs> wait, you don't like yellow jackets? I haven't. Oh God, I haven't watched it yet. I'm gonna watch an episode though, and I'll make a decision then. <laughs> I am just curious, kind of like what this has been like to open up a queer space and um, not just for other queer practitioners, but then the folks that they touch and the folks that are just coming in and the the queer energy that you're fostering and creating a safe space for. I'm wondering like how you're holding that. Like I said, I didn't have a huge queer community until I moved to Portland. Um, and that's something that I've built and, and, and fostered since moving here. And uh, I noticed I worked at Massage Envy for the first like year of my work. And um, I noticed a lot of the people coming to me were queer, especially a lot of trans people. And I also noticed I had the sense that they were not normally comfortable with massage, that it wasn't something they necessarily and they would even, some people told me, you know, that they didn't normally feel safe getting massages. And I felt the same way as on the other side of that coin, I would get so much anxiety sometimes going into a session, not assuming what anyone is, but people that presented like, you know, cis and straight, I, I'd be like, oh my God, they don't want me touching them. You know, mm. that kind of intimate relationship can be stressful as a queer person when you're kind of shot down all the time and, and persecuted for being who you are. So when I started noticing that connection and how they made me feel safe so I could do the best work I could do and I made them feel safe so they could receive it. I was like, there needs to be more queer healing spaces. Like there's something where someone can without fear be like, I'm safe with this person. Um, so that's, that's why I decided to do it. It was as much for other people as it was for myself, you know, selfishly, I guess. Do you have a, a brief offering of how you're able to protect yourself and keep yourself um, solid through all this work that you're doing? Yeah, I'm very sensitive. There are still days right now, like where I'll come home after a particularly intense day and I'll cry. And that's okay. I love crying. It feels so good. Um, I have to get it out. So usually my self-care routine is to go home, take a really hot shower, and just like imagine all of it washing off of me. And um, I've really noticed that painting and art helps ease my anxious mind, and it kind of gives me a task-oriented, like something to focus on, but also it's, it's so... Uh, fulfilling to me to create something from a blank space. So lots of showers and allowing myself to cry and art and a lot, a lot of horror movies, which sounds crazy, but um, I, I will go home after a hard day and watch like the goriest, cheesiest 80s horror movies. And that'll put the biggest smile on my face. Obsessed. <laughs> I think that's wild but yeah hey, i know we've yeah. had we did we did the horror episodes you know my stance on horror i yeah. love it but go revisit our october series. not calming me down <laughs> making me more anxious oh. um well thank you so much zach for 
I mean, we went on a journey just now, and I'm really, really happy that we went on it. So yeah. thank you um, so thank- much for having me. I, I'm so glad to see you all again and talk about this. It's important. So thank you. Let's take a break, and then we're gonna take some meds. All right, it's time to take meds, y'all. One of my favorite segments of the show. So this week, I'm going to go first. So (laughs) what's bringing me joy? What are my meds? Um, Gary's here. Gary, who was on the episode last week, is here with me in person in real life this week. Um, I'm really happy he's here. Gary and I have been friends since sophomore year of college. So for over a decade and we've had our ups and downs, but like, I will say this, there was a point where I never would have thought me and Gary would be hanging out by ourselves in another city, like together. And we've Mm. done it quite often. Um, And I have grown to learn that he is somebody that I want to have those experiences with, that I look forward to those experiences. And I like need those like with him sometimes. So I'm just really happy that he's here right now. Like exactly 17 days before I leave Portland, something about mm-hmm. it just feels like right. Um, and everything that we've done this weekend has uh, like supplemented and complemented in a good way. Like the move that's happening, you know, he's bringing up, he's asking me the right questions and like asking me how I feel about certain things that, um, you know, only a really good friend who doesn't know you from the person you are currently or where you're staying currently, those kind of questions that only a person like that can ask you. So mm. I'm really grateful that he's here um, and he's going to be here for another like four days. So I'm excited. Oh, I love that. I also appreciated the moment when Gary came and sh- shook her rings at us. <laughs> I-, I heard her before I saw her. <laughs> Stay shaking her rings. Stay shaking her rings. <laughs> um, Zach, honey, what? What are your meds? What you got? What about your meds? I'll go after you. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> what, like I was mentioning before, I love horror and thrillers. Um, and I've been obsessed with Yellow Jackets, the Showtime show. I just started watching it like last week. And it has given me, I'm not even kidding, so much joy. Like, I go on Reddit after every episode, and I'm like, ooh, what's everyone thinking? Like, is there a ghost out there? Is it just a survivalist show? It's so good. I mean, you know, all the work I do has to do with, like, trauma release. So, like, I love seeing these people trying to process their, like, trauma from the past. And it's just really entertaining. And I love the cast. Like, Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis and Melanie Linsky. It's... It's like a wet dream for me. Fucking love it. I am really into it too. Without actually, it, spoilers are fine because we're at a point where like we're getting a little bit more, but it's still hinting at so much. I love the Reddit obsession. What is your guess of where? So this is not a spoiler because we're guessing. What is your guess of where we think we are going with Yellow Jackets? I have the sense that they're going to drag. As the show goes along, they're never going to take a stance on whether there's supernatural things going on or whether it's just their trauma haunting them in the future. I think it's way okay. more interesting for it to remain ambiguous. So I think there there's going to be different reveals that maybe teeter us in a certain direction, like, oh, this is possession or, oh, this is just her dealing with her traumatic experience in the woods. But um, I don't think we'll get a for sure answer. I think it's going to remain ambiguously on the line in that way. Um, I think that my other prediction 
is that the religious girl, Laura Lee, um, mm. is going to create a religious fervor and half the girls are going to believe that there's something supernatural going on. And then the other half are going to be like, that's not real. And there's going to be a huge split, which is when I, that's going to be the whole tribal split. I think, I think half the uh -huh. girls are going to believe in the spirit and the other half are not. And we're never going to know if it was real or not. They're going to leave it open-ended. Oh, I, okay. I hope. Wow. I think you might be, spot on i think that i sort of hope maybe there's ambiguity at the season finale but i do hope that there's more of a stance taken in season two the, and the only reason i feel like there has to be something supernatural happening is because of the way that like they disappear like i feel like there's something dark cloudy and i know that girl destroyed the black box at the beginning but like it feels like that to me too but i'm also super supernatural oriented <laughs> i know i know you know but i love it too it, i think um i have a feeling that whatever's happening in the um present day kind of thing isn't actually sort of supernatural related but it's people exploiting what did happen and that was supernatural well shawnee has to jump on Oh, I get a guess? Okay. No, no, I'm saying you <laughs> I, need to watch the show. But do I get a guess right now? Sure. Okay, sure. Okay. From what I've heard, I think... <laughs> based on the poster. Based on the poster <laughs> and y'all talking about it, I think that this is all just a way for Nelly Furtado to re-enter the music scene. I don't know how, <laughs> but it's going to work out like that. All right. She's going to be guess. a musical guest at the season finale. Like there you go. And Gossip Girl. Do you remember when Gaga was on Gossip Girl for like seven seconds, but really she was just kind of in the background of a party? Yeah, the, <laughs> on that ladder. Oh, yeah, they teased it for like weeks. And then when Gaga was on it, it was like literally just like a seven second shot of like a snippet of her song. And then it was like the girls talking and you can see her in the background. Yeah, <laughs> like I remember very... that. <laughs> Were you disappointed? I was very disappointed, yeah. <laughs> I think that was the only episode of that show I saw because I heard Gaga was going to be on it. And then it was just like... <laughs> That's one more episode than I ever saw of it. Oh, my God. New Gossip Girl, though. Very into her. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot that finale happened. Okay. My meds um, are that... Um, oh, our friend Lisa's here and staying with us. And I got to um, watch her interaction with several of her siblings. I had only met one sibling. And it's like... Whenever you get to see a good friend interact with family in a certain way, it kind of is such a gift because things just kind of start clicking. And it um, it was just a very, I felt very welcome in a very kind of like intimate slash silly moment. But um, I was just really honored that there was like, I got to see my friend in a new light and her siblings are great. But um, yeah, that's my meds this week. Um. Shawnee, do we have homework? Are week? you going to Mexico? Me? Yeah. I'm not. Okay. Mm -mm. Good. Nope. <laughs> I need you here. To, I am not. <laughs> I can't afford it. I am here. Also, um, Omarion is out to get me. That's, you know what? That's true. <laughs> Omarion is out to stop. <laughs> Omarion is out to get all of us. Oh, no. So. It's been a while, y'all, but you have homework. You thought I forgot. You thought this segment did not exist anymore. No, it's still here. Sometimes I just don't feel like doing it, but we're doing it this time. Um, so twofold. Homework's twofold in the sense that we are going on a holiday break. 
So this will be the last episode of 2021. We'll see y'all in 2022 at the end of January, possibly early February. I don't know. I have a move coming up. I'm going to figure that out and then I'll get back to y'all. But we will be back in early 2022. So while we're away... We're going to take a lot of the stuff that we've learned over these last three episodes when it comes to spiritual practice and healing and energy work. Um, And I'm just going to ask that y'all go out there and do it. Like, find something, whether it's Reiki, whether it's getting a tarot card reading, whether it's getting a massage, go do that. And while you're experiencing it, or if that takes you out of the experience after after you've experienced the, whatever the practice is, Journal, meditate, just think about um, how you did or how you can approach that from a place that's less um, bodily, like less like, oh, this was just here so that I can feel comfortable or so that I can like relax right now. More from a place of like, how is this practice helping you grow, helping you heal, helping you become the person you want to be or helping you align with your purpose. So I just want you to take it a step further, right? Like a lot of times you get a massage, you get a tarot card reading, and you're very focused on just like what you need in that moment to like address whatever's going on in that exact moment. But you're not really thinking about like the future future or how this is having an impact on your mental health or on um, your healing and on the past trauma in your life. So I'm just asking that, you know, do one of these practices and then just think about how it impacts your mental health and your well-being. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot. And I appreciate the challenge to, especially during this time, which can be super joyous for a lot of people and really hard for a lot of people. I think it's a really good time to, to do some of this inner work and connected work. And um, I don't know, I, my only addition and suggestion is to not do that in isolation. So um, to reach out to folks and talk through this with other folks, maybe get a friend or something to experience something like this with you. If this is your first dip in, um, but cause like we said, spirituality, it's about you, but it's also about community building in the community. So absolutely. That has um, to be there. If you're in Portland, you can check out Indigo house. Uh, Zach, can you tell us where to find you and yeah. your business? Um, www.indigohousepdx.com is our website uh, where you can find all the therapists there and what they do and schedule an appointment. Um, and my Instagram, um, indigohousepdx at Instagram. Wonderful. Um, thank you so much for joining us at our end of December um, release. And I haven't seen you since I left, but it's really wonderful to see your face. I appreciate you so 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 much and also we i didn't talk about this earlier but zach so graciously and kindly sat through a drunken visit from me and the pandemic when you and i had just recorded episode one and i ran to zach's house and i was like you gotta listen to this oh my <laughs> and, like God. sat with them on a bench outside their house and it was wonderful because i was so dying for connection i hadn't like been outside my house and we like met outside and Zach offered so many wonderful words of encouragement despite the shitty Aww, quality and content of that. That's nice. No, it was exciting for me too. Um, mm, I, that, those are some rough episodes. <laughs> um, I, I, but I think that there was like, uh, there was a knowing and an appreciation of 
us moving towards something that we were feeling good about. And then I got to see you do that. And I just, I'm glad you're finally here. That's all I'm trying to say. I'm Me glad too. you're finally here because you've been in conversation with this idea and this work um, for so long. So thank you. thank you. And it's awesome to see you all doing this too. I really appreciate taking time with me. We love you. And I have one last question before I let you leave. Mm -hmm. How's Blue? Other Blue? Yeah. She's good. She's really jealous of me though. Like I, I, I live with Chaz, but I have my own uh, bedroom in the basement and I usually sleep down there because to try and fit in bed with the two of them, <laughs> he gets really sassy with me. Oh, but he's good. We're talking about another dog here named Blue, yeah. by the way, <laughs> listeners. He's good. Um, he's good. I love that. Blue, yes. Uh, Chaz has a dog named Blue that is a blue healer, just like my Blue is a blue healer. And I'm learning that Blue is a very common name because Yasmin now has a cat named Blue. So Not as original as you thought. Okay. Blue's could do. We can too. <laughs> <laughs> we got to go. Sign okay. us out of here. Follow Bye. us at QBT Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you to Marquis and Charles Daly for letting us use their music. And big, big thanks to Ali Kiltz for helping us with editing and producing and all the magic that she offers us. Um, and also keep an eye out on our Instagram for ways to stay connected through us through the break. And we will catch you in 2022, y'all. We love you. Thank you so much for all your support. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, babies. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, baby. <laughs> I'm drinking wine. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>